Captain's logs. Han Solo. I'm Captain of the Millennium Falcon. This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the Federation Starship Enterprise. Listening to Captain's Logs and Lightsabers, part of the Geek News Now podcast network. Hello, and welcome to issue number four of CLL Presents the Living Page. This is the roundtable discussion show where we talk about something from animation, printed works, and video games from both Star Trek and the Star Wars franchises. My name is Jonathan. I'm one of the hosts of the show. Joining me today, as always, for the show is Sean. How have you been since we last recorded, Sean? I've been doing great. Just Good. staying busy, working play. Yeah, yeah. D- have you done anything fun lately for play? Uh, we did Disney a couple weeks ago, so that was equal parts exhausting and a great time as always. Awesome, awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm always needing a vacation from vacation. Yeah, that's usually how Disney. that rolls. Yeah. So, also uh, joining us today from the Geek News Now YouTube team, you might know him from his 60-second suggestion segments on our YouTube page, or his main show, Cam and Focus. Please welcome Cam Fisher. Thanks for joining us today. What's going on with you? Hey, no problem. Thanks for thanks for having me. You know, uh, not, not a lot's going on. Kind of the same as Sean, you know, keeping myself busy. Uh, <laughs> trying to juggle everything throughout the day and make time for everything that I got going on. You know, it's a struggle sometimes, but... You know, we all do our best. <laughs> right. You got married recently. How's that treating you? How's married life? Oh, it's going really good. You know, good. I'm a, I am learning very quick that, you know, that the best way to succeed in my job as a husband is just to smile, nod and agree with everything. <laughs> you figured it out faster than I did. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anyway, uh, <laughs> for... For today's discussion, we are going to be covering Star Wars Visions. Uh, Initially, this was teased back in December of 2020. Star Wars Visions brings together seven Japanese anime studios, and they created nine short films that feature very unique interpretations of the mythos of Star Wars uh, in the legendary anime format that you either love, hate, or you know, somewhere in between. Many savvy Star Wars fans know that George Lucas was heavily influenced by not only mythology throughout society and culture, but also the films of Akira Kurosawa, especially Seven Samurai and Hidden Fortress. The Star Wars Visions provides an opportunity for high-profile creators from Japan to play in the Star Wars universe and and kind of create stories uh, with the themes and motifs from over 40 years of content from a galaxy far, far away. For this episode, we're going to look at each of those nine short films. We're going to give our overall impressions, and we're going to discuss how each short felt like Star Wars to the three of us. Uh, So without further ado, let's begin our discussion with our first short, The Duel. Cam, uh, why don't you give us your overall impressions of this one? Uh, I thought it was a fairly effective episode. You know, I I love that the animation style and and, and the the setting in general, I love that it was very uh, reminiscent of uh, classical Japanese cinema. Like you you mentioned earlier, Seven Samurai, you know, absolute masterpiece of a film. Uh, And uh, I I like that uh, the, the main protagonist of that episode was kind of on the ambiguous side. You, you weren't really sure, you know, what side he was on by the end of it. 
but uh yeah it was it, it was very interesting to see how he handled the situation he definitely handled it like one would expect from you know something like an akira kurosawa film uh very calm and collected very cool and level-headed and he uh, he he definitely uh, uh he he definitely elevated the episode very much for me very good and sean what were your overall impressions of this one i don't know it's Anime in general sometimes is a struggle for me. I think the only anime that I've ever really watched and thoroughly enjoyed was Sailor Moon, and I think I've told you that before. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked it. I liked the contrast between, you know, the black and the white, and then anything electronic, they kept the color in. So I thought that was interesting how they visualized that. Um, the soundtrack, I think, was really awesome. To me, that kind of gave it that Star Wars feel. Um, I want to know where I can get that Sith uh, umbrella saber because I feel like you know, <laughs> in a battle that would come in handy. It's it almost seems like something she would have made herself. Like there, you know, um, it was uh, it was an attachment versus being the actual lightsaber. Which I know when they had shown that umbrella lightsaber in the teaser trailer, it looked like that was the main lightsaber. And then we find in the short that it's not, it was just something that like, uh, uh, I'm not sure what I'm looking for. Just a, a, a diffuser. There we go. Yeah. It diffused a, the, the blade. It certainly had like a, uh, like a very haphazard, you know, devil may care kind of feel to it. You know, uh, Almost kind of like uh, you know Kylo Ren's lightsaber. It it if it, it felt like she made it herself, but she wasn't the best at making it herself. It's and like I, when I try to do a Pinterest project. <laughs> 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 oh yeah, are you, are you, you digging into those five minute crafts? Yep, and they always turn out like nightmares. <laughs> Outstanding. Yep. I. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which I could say I knew what you were talking about, but I, I think um, I'm probably better off not knowing. So you are. They don't <laughs> work. That's that all works. you need to know. They don't work. Exactly. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> all right. Yeah. I. I also I thought it was very much Kurosawa inspired. It, it felt like a Kurosawa film, just with the the black and white. the The pops of color were incredible. Um, I, I like your observations. How it seemed like the pops of color were only in technology and you know in the lightsabers in the weapons um on the ships that was that was a cool design choice um anybody cam do you have any insight on why they chose the that as uh, the well, method it's, for uh, it's kind of a uh uh I, I wouldn't necessarily say tried and true but it it, it is a film filmmaking technique that we've seen before you know in, in films like uh well, like Sin City, for example, the entire film is in black and white, but the times that they show you the color are the times that they really want to to hammer home either a moment that they're uh, that they're showing you or a point they're trying to make or something like that. Uh, that you know, ha- having the color popping out against the black and the white, it's supposed to catch you by surprise. It's supposed to you know draw your eye to it, and uh, in in a, in a sense, you know, especially whenever the, the protagonist draws the red lightsaber, in a way, it's also it's also kind of su- supposed to uh, uh, pr- provoke thought, in, uh, uh, more thought into who this guy is. 
So mm-hmm. in that sense, I think that the use of color worked very well. Yeah, and I, I'm glad you brought up Sin City because I was I felt the same way. I felt that that was a, a very effective storytelling device in Sin City, and uh, it, it it carried over to uh, to the duel as well. Um, and as far as our protagonists, I know we're getting a tie-in novel that's going to uh, continue the story after the conclusion of the duel. I, oh, I believe that comes out uh, very very soon. I want to say that by the time this episode releases, that will be available and it's called star wars uh, visions ronin so interesting i didn't know that yeah i didn't know that either there we go maybe we can do a follow-up episode and talk about that all right um so sean how did this feel like star wars to you Uh, i think the soundtrack made it it just kind of made you feel like you were in that universe and of course you know lightsabers it's kind of the only genre where you see a lightsaber so i mean ideally that's always star wars Mm-hmm. What about you, Cam? How did it feel like Star Wars? Well, the uh, yeah, I, I I agree. The soundtrack, you know, it 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 felt very it felt very Star Wars while also having that you know classical Japanese you know kind of feel to it. Uh, the, the the lightsabers definitely. Uh, I will I will say that the the uh, the 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 different alien races that were present in that village. If it it was a little bit jarring to me at first, but after a while, you know, I I, I kind of warmed up to the idea. Um, for, I mean, to be honest, the main thing that stood out to me was the astromech droid. For some reason, it just felt like it did not belong there, <laughs> in my opinion. But the, ast- um, the astromech with the straw hat. Yeah, I, wasn't that the Ronin's droid? Yeah. yeah okay. It was. Yeah, but he he definitely seemed out of place. He wasn't a villager, but no, no. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Um, I don't know. I. <laughs> I, I thought it was kind of funny. I'm I'm a big fan of droids, so seeing any kind of unique droid or, or, or a, a unique way of portraying a droid just uh, excites me. So seeing the droid in the uh, in the straw hat was was got a laugh out of me for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, any final thoughts from either of you on this one? Well, I th- I think the last thing that I'll say about it is uh while this episode is called the duel, to be honest, I kind of appreciated that the actual duel itself wasn't the focus of the episode. I th- I think in its runtime that uh, like the, the actual duel only took up maybe maybe 2 minutes of actual screen time. And uh in that in that sense, you know that, that they it, it, it kind of worked for me because it didn't feel drawn out. If it, it felt quick and to the point, and if it, it felt very uh, impactful in that way. Mm-hmm. Any final thoughts, Sean? Well, I think you know, starting visions. I thought this was a really good kickoff episode to kind of prepare you for what was going to be, you know, coming from all the other episodes. So I enjoyed yeah, that. It, it kind of set up everything. Yeah, I. I, I, I... I know what you mean. I, I feel like it was um, kind of the comfort food component of, of the the um, all nine films. It it felt familiar. Uh, if you've if you have seen Sin City, you kind of felt right at home, and you kind of uh, it was a nice way to ease into uh, the anime style and and get people who aren't really anime fans comfortable with what they're about to see in the next eight films. So I agree. Um, that said, let's move on to probably one of the most 
talked about uh, shorts, <laughs> uh, whether that's good or bad, we'll, you know, we'll let the discussion kind of lead us in that direction. But this one was uh, Tatooine Rhapsody. So the synopsis is a band with big dreams must save one of their own from Jabba the Hutt and Boba Fett. Uh, Sean, we'll start with you this time. What were your overall impressions of this one? Well, I love the animation on this one. Um, it was one of the standout animation episodes, I think, for me, just like how they did the visuals and the style. Um, mm-hmm. It gave me all-time low vibes, which is like a throwback to the early 2000s. So I enjoyed the music. That was fun, too. Yeah, I'm still singing that stupid song, but... <laughs> I know, it's an earworm. <laughs> it really is. Uh, Cam, what were your overall impressions? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll be perfectly honest right off the bat. You know, uh, the, this was the weakest episode for me, in my opinion, you know, throughout the series. Uh, not, not not to say that I thought it, that it was bad or anything, but overall, it was just an episode that didn't quite, you know, resonate with me much. Uh, uh, like, uh, like Sean said, that the animation was very good. It, it was very, very dynamic. Uh, I, and you, you, and you, you can see, you know, that... Uh, the, the fluidity in in the in the animation because it because it's hand drawn and you can tell that right off the bat so that, that right there I really love about it um, the the story I thought was you know it, it was there <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I wasn't really the biggest I well I I, I guess I'm kind of uh, repeat myself at that at this point, but the the episode overall it just didn't work as well for me as others did. Sure, and and you're not alone. Uh, that that seems to be a very popular opinion about this one, which is is fine. I mean, nobody, I I will never be the kind of person to tell you that you should like everything Star Wars. Uh, it's just it's it's an unfair expectation to right. for anybody to to think that you should like every single thing that comes out that's uh, that carries the star Wars name. And it's okay to have, uh, you know, dissenting opinions. I personally, I love this one. I, I like the animation style just like you did, Sean. I thought it was very, uh, very cute, very, very aimed towards, I think a younger crowd just because of the, um, the, I guess, it, is it it's kind of like a chibi style um, with the, with the character, uh, models and such. I I I liked how I liked the music. Like I said, I thought the song was incredible. I'm still singing it. I'm still humming it in my head every you know time. I'm not thinking of something else that's running through the soundtrack in my brain. Um, I, I thought it was a very cool way to tell a post order sixty six story. Uh, how uh, yet another Jedi Padawan survived the Great Purge of Order sixty six. I thought that the uh, the lightsaber that was uh, turned into a microphone was a, a pretty clever conceit. And I know uh, Cam, you were talking pre show that that's a very very anime trope. So do you want to expand on that a little bit? Yeah, well, it, you you see a lot in anime where a character takes something and turns it into something else. Like, like uh, I don't, I don't know if either of you have ever have ever watched the show Ruby before. Uh, I, I know that it's not te- technically anime, but uh, it, it borrows a lot of the same ideas. You know that the, the main character, you know, uses a weapon that's a giant scythe, which is also a sniper rifle. <laughs> Yeah, that's impressive. So, so yeah, yeah, it's something you see a lot of. Um, Yeah, and uh, I, oh, I, I don't know. I, I definitely thought it was a clever idea. I really did, though. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, Sean, how did this feel like Star Wars to you? Uh, I mean, it brought me back to episode one because I wanted a pod racing event in the background while they were doing their concert. And I was really mad that I didn't get that. <laughs> yeah, that, w- that would have been kind of fun to see some, uh, you know, to hear some podcast. Uh, sorry, some um, it would have been cool to hear some pod racer engines kind of in the background. Uh, yeah, something. Making the just... lap around, you know, the stands. That would have been kind of cool. Yeah, just give me a little throwback or something there. Right, right. You know, even like just a hidden sound, maybe maybe some equipment failure or something that, you know, while the band was playing, just a little nod to uh, the pod racing sequence would have been would would have been kind of cool. I, I maybe that's a missed opportunity. I don't know. What do you think, Cam? Do you think there was a, an opportunity there to introduce more of the pod race uh, theme? Uh, yeah, I think the opportunity was there, but at the same time, I feel like if they had done that, it would it would have taken uh, it would have taken a lot of the focus away from uh, what the show had been leading up to, which, which isn't a pod race. It's you know the band playing their show, and uh, I I like that you know the, the 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 focus was definitely on that. There were other things going on, but it always came back to the band playing. Sure, and uh, it. If it it helped it, it helped me as a viewer feel very in the moment. Right, right. Yeah, I I, I agree. I think you know, just like you said, you know, it it was the band story. It was about the band coming together to to save their uh, their friend and their bandmate uh, from a life that he just didn't want to be a part of. He didn't want to be part of the hut crime syndicate and he wanted to be in a band and his friends came to his rescue. Now the big question, would you buy tickets to see these guys at a cantina near you? Sean, yeah, I mean, maybe if there was a group on, <laughs> I, might, I might be tempted. I don't know if that's like a, a full price <laughs> event, but all right. Yeah. Space definitely group on. Yep. Space group on everybody. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What about you, Cam? Oh, I, I mean, I'll, I'll drive somebody to the show. Okay. There we go. <laughs> Cam's our DD. I'll buy his ticket. <laughs> Fair yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right. I think we've kind of covered everything that needs to be said about Tatooine Rhapsody. So we're going to move on to the third short. Uh, this one was called The Twins. Uh, The synopsis from Disney Plus says, Twins born into the dark side clash aboard a massive Star Destroyer. Cam, what were your overall impressions of this one? This one was very, uh, also very unique, I thought. Yeah, um, I I liked it all right. You know, the the, the animation was, you know, very dynamic. It was, it was very, it, it was always moving. And I really appreciated that. Um, I, I liked the, the, you know certain callbacks to things like the uh, that like that the uh, the holdo maneuver. I thought that was a really really well done scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the, the main thing that I had trouble with with this episode was was one uh, they they basically filled up the entire runtime with dialogue and that uh, either dialogue or inner monologue and that just didn't work for me. I feel like there's a there's a lot more to be said about about showing something rather than telling and. Uh, yeah, you know that, that that kind of brought it down for me, and the the whole multiple lightsaber whips I thought was a little bit silly, but uh, it, it was a nice callback to Grievous, though. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. How many arms did uh, 
she have? I all six. was it? Yeah, six. Okay, it was six arms. All right, yeah. I it was so frenetic. I lost count. <laughs> uh, Sean, what were your overall thoughts? Wow, oh, this episode was bonkers. I was, I was just like laughing the entire time I'm watching it because as soon as I saw her outfit, all I could think of was Joan Rivers and Spaceballs. Oh my god! Like dot. <laughs> I'm like, girl stole your look. And then I'm looking at these Star Destroyers, and they're just attached like with this little nubbin in the middle. And I'm like, you know what? If I'm a rebel in an X-Wing, the first thing I'm going to hit is that little nubbins. Like, what was the point of it? It I was confused. Yeah, the way it joined the two Star Destroyers together. I I wonder if that's a, a good strategy or not. I wonder if destroying that would cause a chain reaction to destroy them both, or if it would just separate both star destroyers so that they could operate independently of one another. That's an interesting thought. Um, I thought it was a, you know, I thought it was, um, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know how to feel about this one. And I've seen it twice. That's why I said it was bonkers. It's just like, (laughs) I'm just watching it. Like what is happening? I don't think I like this one. Um, I, I, I like the concept of how, you know, you had twins born into the dark side. It was a, a very much a mirror of Luke and Leia twins. A little born yin into and yang. Side. Yeah, very much. So that's, that's a very uh, Japanese concept where you have dark and light and, and, you know, mirror uh, ref, you know, reflections of one another. Um, I thought it was, I th- I like the art style, but I thought that the action set pieces were a little too over the top. Um, just the the fighting on top of the star destroyer in space. In space. Um, I know people I give Roy need a spacesuit, and they didn't need the spacesuit. <laughs> right, exactly. These are questions that I I don't have the answers to. Uh, a lot of people give space uh superman leia from the last jedi a lot of uh vitriol but i think this was worse <laughs> i think this right. is much yeah. less believable <laughs> yeah by far you know because not, not only are they able to breathe in space they're also able to keep their footing on the hull of a star destroyer in space and and it's yeah it, it, i don't know if it, it felt a little too silly for me if it, it, it it felt too much like, hey, look what we can do. Look what we can do. And it's, I don't know. It didn't work for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way. I This was exactly. probably Bonkers. my least favorite. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, so none of us really particularly cared for it, but how did this feel like Star Wars to you, Sean? Um, I mean, the Star Destroyers definitely made it Star Wars <laughs> with a little nipple in between. So, I mean, that was classic Star Wars. Um, I love on top of her dot spaceballs outfit. She threw on like some Power Ranger Darth Vader helmet. So you know that was a nice callback to a traditional <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> After ten thousand years, I'm free. <laughs> it's time to conquer Jedi. Also, top notch Rita Repulsa. That was very space. good. Yeah, I know. I feel like that's not your first time that you've done that. It is not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad you noticed. 
I got it right away as well. Uh, <laughs> little Power Rangers. Well, Sean and I both do really love Power Rangers, so um, you're you're in good company here, Cam. Yep, we're All nerds. right, awesome. All right, uh, Cam, how did this feel like Star Wars to you? Uh, well, uh, like Sean said, you know that the, the Star Destroyers kind of helped to like ground it in that Star Wars universe. Uh, you know, they're they're talking about the Force and Kyber crystals and yeah, and you know uh, all that kind of thing. Uh, the the the, the soundtrack, I honestly don't remember much about that soundtrack. It didn't really stand out to me. Uh, I mean, th- 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 like th- th- thinking back, I just imagine it being like white noise, to be honest with you. Um, but uh, uh, I, I, I'd say that out of the majority of the episodes, I'd say that this one for me feels the least like Star Wars. It, it, like You can tell that they're taking elements from Star Wars to make you know, their own story. But I, but as a, but as a whole, bringing all these ideas together, I, it, it didn't quite capture that feel for me. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I just, I don't think I will go back and watch this one, um, ever <laughs> again. I just, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I didn't feel like it. I don't know. It just didn't resonate with me, and I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, you have the the references, you have the Star Destroyers, you have the lightsaber combat. That's very Star Wars. Um, you have, you know, you have some very weird ways that they used the a lot of Star Wars lore. You know, as far as the um, using the Kyber crystals as ways to strengthen the armor was a little weird to me but yeah it like, like the, the the way that i look at it like the the story of this episode feels like someone told this studio about the lore of star wars but the studio never actually watched the movies hmm yeah kind of <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i don't think i can argue with you there all right um we're going to move on from the twins uh we're going to move on to Probably one of the most unique shorts in this collection, uh, The Village Bride. Uh, A Jedi on the run takes in the unique customs of a remote village under threat by a warlord. Uh, Cam, overall impressions? Uh, Overall, I enjoyed the episode. Uh, I I wasn't a big fan of the setup. Uh, It it felt like just a little too much exposition for me, but... uh, uh, I uh, I enjoyed what it built up to. Uh, I thought I thought the climax was very effective. Uh, I love that there was a nice callback to episode one with uh, you know the the droids shutting down once their control ship was destroyed. Um, I, I, I honestly you know I I liked the main character. I liked that it felt like she uh, kind of came to terms with herself throughout the uh, the course of the story. Um, I'm just confused as to who that guy was that was with her. Was that like her master? Was that her ward? I mean, I don't, I don't know who he was. Yeah, that didn't get explained very well um, at all. I, I, I don't know. I, I thought overall, I thought it was a, it was an okay episode. Um, like you, I, I echo your thoughts, Cam. I think that the the ending was better. You know, the last half of the short was better than the first half. I, I like how the, um, the 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 studio and the writers kind of gave us uh, a view uh, of a planet who sees the force differently 
Uh, we've been getting that a lot lately in the Disney era of Star Wars. We've been getting, uh, you know, the uh, in Star Wars Rebels, we got the Lasat who uh, didn't call it the Force; they call it call it Ashla. Um, and in this one, we've got the Magina. Um, it, it's interesting to see how different cultures who aren't as caught up in the um, the galactic conflict, uh, you know, and don't really use the force in the same way that the Jedi and the Sith do. I thought that was kind of a unique way and we've been getting a little bit more of that. So I, I appreciated that, but I, I definitely think the, the first half of the, the episode was a lot weaker than the second half. Sean, what were your overall impressions? Yeah, it was me. This was probably like one of the, the hardest ones for me to get through. Like it, it did make me want to be a bride though, because apparently in whatever world that this takes place on, you get lugged around if you're a bride. So sign me up there. <laughs> and it, with all of these, it has me guessing each time. Like, so when in I guess like Star Wars history do, do these take place? Like, you know, some are almost kind of like prequel feelings. Some are, you know, second wave. Some are you know, the prequels. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I love seeing the battle droids again, but you didn't give me one Roger Roger. So I was, I was phased back to me. Yeah. I was a little disappointed. And, and actually that's the first time I really, I really can thought of that, that you didn't get the, the, the typical um, Roger Roger, that, that, that mechanized uh, battle droid voice. Um, and, and yeah, as far as the timeline where this takes place, you really can't say because it could have taken place in the prequel era. It could have taken place in the, you know, the, the rise of the empire or the original trilogy era, because you just know that the, the warlord and who was um, terrorizing this village, that he just reclaimed the droids and re, was able to reprogram them. It doesn't really say when it takes place. So yeah, I, I don't have an answer for you either. Um, Cam, how did this feel like Star Wars to you? I know you said initially that the, uh, you know, the callback to episode one with the droid control ship, uh, any other ways that this felt like Star Wars to you? Um, well, yeah, so well, sort of, um, I, I like that. Um, uh, in this episode, the Jedi definitely feels like a protector. You know, uh, we've we've seen a lot, you know, throughout Star Wars. We, we, we've seen the Jedi as soldiers, you know, during like the Clone Wars and stuff like that. Uh, we didn't really get much of, you know, the, the, uh, the Jedi as peacekeepers, you know, throughout the prequels, throughout the original trilogy, the sequel trilogy, or, uh, or even in a lot of other ancillary material. So, so it was nice to see a Jedi, uh, you know, come forward to stand up for the downtrodden. It, it, it really personified the idea of what the Jedi are supposed to be. Certainly. Yeah. I, I tend to agree with you, Sean, any, anything to add to that? No, I mean, the, for me, the most thing that was, you know, instinctively Star Wars was just seeing those battle droids again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it, it is interesting, like I said, the way that it plays with the themes and the way that it plays with uh, this particular planet's view of the Force and how they understand it. Uh, aside from that, uh, I, I will probably watch this one at least once more, um, unlike the twins where I will probably not revisit. Um, any final thoughts from either of you gentlemen? 
Um, well, if we're, if we're getting a, a follow-up novel to the, uh, to the Ronin, to be honest, I'd like to see a follow-up novel novel to this protagonist as well. I don't I don't remember her name or if she even had a name. To be honest with you, but uh, yeah, the, her growth throughout the episode really made me want to see more of her. And uh, you know, I I really hope we do. Yeah, yeah, uh, she definitely. I mean, for a twenty-minute short, she did experience a lot of growth. Uh, you know, initially not wanting to be involved, and then uh, and then getting involved and doing the right thing. Um, yeah, I, I think it would be interesting to see if we get any uh, continuation of that trajectory of her character. I, I think, yeah, I think that's a a solid plan, and hopefully, we'll see a little bit more. Maybe, maybe as a follow up novel, maybe we'll get some. Uh, I, I don't know, a, maybe a season two of Visions with some follow ups. Who knows? Um, let's move on to the the next short. Uh, this one, the Ninth Jedi, the fifth short in Star Wars Visions. Um, this one is kind of unique. We found out before the series aired that this particular episode was the one and only to take place in the timeline after episode nine. I thought that was kind of unique that they gave us that information ahead of time. Um, but basically the synopsis uh, uh, it, for this one, the, the daughter of a lightsaber Smith is pursued by dark forces while on a dangerous mission. Um, Sean, We'll start with you this time. What were your overall impressions of this one? I thought the storyline was really good. Um, again, it was one of those that was just, it was hit or miss. I kind of struggled with it a little bit. And I think just because some of these were, I guess, like very anime style. And for me not being like a huge anime person that sometimes can take me away from the element of it. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Um, I love that the guy had that Victor Von Doom feel to him in the beginning of the episode. It's just those oh, little nods to other cultures. Yeah, with his little with other his mask. Not, yeah, not cultures, other genres. Yeah, and that's that's, that's an interesting, uh, you know, in, in Western culture, we're typically associating anybody that wears a mask with somebody who uh, is, is a ne'er-do-well, as someone who's uh, evil, someone who is plotting against the heroes yeah but it's kind of the exact opposite in japanese culture masks uh, are uh, are very symbolic of uh, of heroism um and i think that probably threw a lot of people off thinking you know throughout the short where was this going was uh the her father you know going to be um or not her father sorry was you know was this gentleman who gathered all these Jedi together, was he going to turn on them at the end? Um, I, I liked how it kept us guessing. Cam, what did you think of your, what were your overall impressions with, um, with the ninth Jedi? Yeah, I, uh, I agree with you. I like the, the, uh, the conspiracy element to it. Uh, I like that, you know, it, it, it kind of, you know, it almost felt like it was laying out a roadmap for you, but then, you know, near the end of it, it kind of pulled the rug out from under you and said, oh, no, this is what's actually happening. And then and it, it gave a whole new perspective to the events leading up to it. Uh, and I thought I thought that, you know, this was definitely what one of the best episodes in the series. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the animation was fantastic. The action was great. I thought that the uh, the, the, the lightsaber duels were uh, were incredibly effective. I'd say probably the best ones in the series. And um, I, I like that, you know, it, it 
it, it definitely left the story very open ended. Uh, you know, if it uh, and uh, again, you know, calling back to you know us getting the follow up from uh, from uh, the duel. You know, I I'd be interested to see if they follow this up with you know her actually going out to you know and and finding her father and you know seeing sure you know her maybe coming coming under uh, the 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 mysterious guy I, I can't remember his name for the life of me uh, so coming under his tutelage I think that would be interesting yeah yeah I I I'm terrible with names on these shorts uh, I have no idea. <laughs> um i have no idea what the characters names are at, at all in this one or in, in many of them um sean i i kind of might have cut you off a little bit as you were talking about your overall impressions so do you have no, anything else to add? okay nope, okay i'm I good just wanted to make sure i gave you plenty of time to to say your piece um i liked how we the uh they treated the color of the lightsaber blades in this one. I thought it was really, really unique that as the daughter became more and more proficient uh, and, and she fulfilled her mission, how, you know, her lightsaber initially started off that, that translucent green and it eventually, by the end of the short, it was a full bright, uh, you know, Luke saber, Luke, uh, Luke Skywalker, episode six lightsaber you know I, I i really enjoyed how um how they kind of treated that and and the that as she grew in her confidence and her abilities her lightsaber became more and more um of an opaque color i thought that was a really cool uh touch um do you guys have anything to add to that i would say that lightsaber was probably my favorite lightsaber of the series and that's, I think, the cool thing about each one of these episodes is it kind of gives you like a non-traditional take on a lightsaber. You know, across the board, you see, you know, kind of like knives. Uh, we'll see the one that, you know, you can sh- change its size. So it can be a tiny light- little lightsaber. It could be a ginormous one. So I thought adding that to the genre was really kind of awesome because the only other separate lightsaber you've seen from the normal Jedi one was... um ezra's in rebels so that was kind of a cool addition to the lore mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah um i did i'm trying to think did in the duel didn't the uh the ronin character have uh a a shorter lightsaber blade more like a dagger length blade isn't that what he eventually killed her with because he had put his lightsaber in the statue um but he didn't use that same lightsaber to kill the her, the um the Sith the female Sith right yeah I was thinking the same okay yeah uh Cam can you confirm that it was a second lightsaber in the duel to be honest I uh, I really don't remember I uh, I would have to go back and watch that to uh to uh to see for sure yeah I just for some reason I I want to say that when she charged into the waterfall and attacked the statue that was holding the lightsaber, I'm pretty sure that the, the shorn and half light uh, statue was laying on the ground, still gripping the lightsaber. Um, and then he obviously, uh, the Ronin obviously killed her uh, with a different blade. I'm, I'm going to, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, how did this feel like star Wars to you, Cam? Oh, uh, well, it, it it felt like Star Wars in the in the sense that you know there uh, uh, that there was a lot of talk about the Jedi and the Sith um, 
I thought I, I actually think that this was the first episode in which the Sith were mentioned by name, if I remember correctly. Um, and uh, you know, uh, having it take place after Episode Nine, you know that that that, that is a very you know open uh time frame for an event to take place in like uh, like you could literally do almost anything and not have to worry about having it tie into any outside material uh so 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 having that freedom i i really think worked to their benefit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it, it's nice you know that they didn't have to really feel the constraint of fitting into a certain time frame um I mean, obviously, you know, they uh, Disney has and and Lucasfilm have already said that none of these shorts are considered canon, uh, so they're all canon adjacent, and they're all kind of their own. They're in their own universe, essentially, um, much like the Lego stuff that we see. It's very canon adjacent, so it, this stuff could happen, but it's not canon. Uh, I I don't know, um, Sean. Any any uh, any more insight on how this felt like? Star Wars? I mean, besides you got Jedi, you got the Sith. Um, this one was, like I said, it was just like a draw for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you, you, this was, you said other than Tatooine Rhapsody, this is probably your, probably your next favorite, right? No, this one was the one that um, I just kind of like, it was kind of a little hard to get through. Oh, okay. I, I must have missed that. I'm sorry. Um, no, you're good. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I mean, any uh, any final thoughts from either of you, gentlemen? I I think I've kind of said my piece. On yeah, this same. One. Uh, I ca- I kind of want a toy of that translucent lightsaber. I thought that was kind of a cool look. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be honest with you, <laughs> it, it was it was interesting to see the 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 color become you know more symbolic. Um, you know, because because you you see, you know, red is bad and blue and green is good. But what what, what if your lightsaber comes out, you know, invisible? <laughs> it 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 kind of personified that she doesn't she didn't quite have a path yet. And as she mm-hmm. and like you said, as she grew in confidence, and you know that the, the, the lightsaber really started to take form. Uh, it it became symbolic of her really uh, opening up to the force and to her purpose and. Uh, I thought I thought that was a very effective storytelling method. Sure, sure. Yeah, um, I think we've kind of covered everything there is to cover uh, without really just looping over and over again the same stuff. Uh, so we're going to move on to the next short. Uh, Tob one is our next one. Uh, this one, the synopsis from Disney Plus says the a cybernetic boy who dreams of being a Jedi discovers a dangerous truth about his creator. Anyone else get some Mega Man vibes from this? Uh, Absolutely. Okay. Astro Boy. Right. I know Astro Boy. <laughs> I know. I know Mega Man was based on Astro Boy, but, uh, you know, as far, you know, for me being a, a gamer <laughs> of the 80s and 90s, it it just screams Mega Man to me. So I, I don't have that connection with Astro Boy, uh, unfortunately. But yes. Oh, yeah. The, 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 the professor was 100% Dr. Light. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and Tob One is a creation uh, of you know from uh, from his mat from his creator. Uh, er, sorry, let me start that over. Uh, Tob One is a creation. He was created by the the Doctor Light stand-in. Um, so yeah, that's very very much Mega Man. Um, 
Sean, I know you had chimed in and said that you felt this was a lot like Mega Man. Care to uh, jump in and, and add to the connections? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, it was like Mega Man, but I, I love the fact that he had all these little droids around him. And I kind of wanted to see more because, you know, when he got knocked down and he had to get back up, he had one of his little droids jump on his back and give him like that power boost. Like what else was he capable of? Right. Right. Uh, yeah. He kind of reminded me of, uh, what's it? BD one from Jedi fallen order. The way he jumped on his back. Uh, oh yeah. 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 Uh, very much like, yeah, I, I, I just, yeah. The, the resemblance to Mega Man is uncanny. Also uh, very much felt like Pinocchio. Um, you know, a, a robot, uh, who just dreams of being a real Jedi is very much, uh, the theme of Pinocchio as well. Um, this one was kind of one of my favorites. I, you know, I, I thought that it was, you know, it had a lot of heart. It really resonated with me just because I'm such a fan of Mega Man and Cam, I know, uh, you've had, um, a, a lot of Mega Man related, stuff that you've been working on lately, specifically Mega Man Legends. So um, I know you're a fan of the, of the series as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. The, I think that, yeah, the, yeah, the, uh, there are definitely a lot of similarities to, uh, to, to Mega Man w- with this and, uh, and not just in the animation, but also in the story as well. Um, but, uh, but I, I think that where the main meat of the story really lies for me is in the implications uh, behind TOB1's history because uh, it's, a, it's, it's never explicitly said, but there are a lot of hints dropped that uh, uh, TOB1 used to be a real boy and something happened that, you know, maybe there was like an accident or something and he basically had to re- be rebuilt cybernetically. Mm. And uh, yeah, uh, I... Uh, at, at first, I was a little iffy about the idea of you know a droid being able to you know use the force, but then what, 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 but whenever you look at it from that from that particular side, it kind of makes a little bit more sense. Sure, I mean, uh, and the the I, I get what you're saying, and I think it. I almost wanted to start by saying it uh, that Tob One reminded me a little bit of General Grievous, you know more more cybernetic parts than he was human parts but really i think the better comparison is darth vader uh because you know while vader is you know and and obi-wan says the line uh he that he's more machine than man he still has a a massive uh command of the force um and it's Mm -hmm. and they never really established whether uh anakin became more powerful in the force as darth vader or if he was kind of if he kind of lost his ability and his connection because he had lost so much of his um his initial you know his original body his you know i mean he lost two legs and an arm um so it makes you want you know wonder does the force come from within from the you know from the heart or you know does having a, a full body you know is, is it you know what am i trying to say the the fewer original body parts you have does your connection to the force become weaker well it it, it kind of depends on how seriously you take the idea of midi chlorians uh to, and i know i know that it's an idea that a lot of people you know kind of balked at and you know they're, they're like oh well that, uh we didn't want this explanation for force sensitivity and stuff like that 
but um, but uh, you know it, it it is part of canon. So uh, unfortunately, it, you kind of have to look at it from that perspective. Uh, it, you know, if if a person has you know X amount of these microorganisms in their cells, if they uh, then you you got to figure that the force flows a lot through living tissue. If a person loses a lot of that living tissue, then the the force has less room to flow. Um, but uh, but in terms of Vader, I think that. Uh, well, while it hampered his ability to expand with the force, he was able to make the most out of what he had left. That's yeah. I, I think you're probably pretty close to the mark. Uh, Sean, anything to add to this, uh, this discussion of the force and whether your power in the force relates to how much of your living tissue you still have left. I mean, I was, kind of excited at the fact that droids can now carry lightsabers but now you have me you know going out of this other rabbit hole of you know <laughs> can a droid have midichlorines as well right i just wanted right. to see c3po bobbling around with a a lightsaber at some point now i feel like we got robbed of that <laughs> i don't i don't know if i expected when uh, you know in, in anticipation of talking about the short i don't know if i expected us to go in this direction honestly this um, uh, you know, whether the, you know, whether, you know, what, like what Cam said, whether the implications that TOB1 was a, a real person at one point and, and had an, you know, a major incident where, where Dr. Light had to rebuild him. Um, that really kind of snowballed this whole discussion. So I, I think, I don't think there's any need to really ask how this felt like Star Wars to you, to either of you, because I think we just organically address that in our discussion here. So uh, any, yeah. Any final thoughts, Cam? Um, well, well, uh, the, the, the last, the last thing I'll say is, uh, uh, I, I always love a good acronym, but, uh, uh, having T O B one's real name be Toby. That, that, that just, it, it, it tickled me. I thought, I, I thought it was so adorably fitting. Yeah, yeah, Toby is good, and I I almost wonder if not only do we get the acronym Toby, um, I wonder if O T O B one is uh, a play on Obi Wan in a way. That's how I took it. Oh yeah, okay. I hadn't even thought of that. I had been I I don't know. I guess maybe just seeing it written uh, T O B one, and then just kind of phonetically saying it. That's kind of how I came up with that, but. Um, I think, I think, it, I, I'm sure it was intentional. It had to be, right? I mean, I would think so. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm sure that if the creators come across this, it'd be like, oh, well, it was now. <laughs> Store ideas. Right, right. A uh, little group think never hurt anybody, right? Not at no. all. All right. Hey, um, let's let's move on to the next short. We've only got a few more left. So uh, the next one in sequence was the Elder, uh, a Jedi and his Padawan pursue a dark and powerful presence. Uh, Sean, your thoughts on this one, your overall impressions, I should say. Uh, I mean, this one was pretty good. It kind of, I think it was the first one that didn't really have any sort of soundtrack, right? Like, it was just kind of completely silent through the entire thing. Yeah, not thing, that I remember for, now that I think about it. Yeah. So, I thought that was kind of a nice change. Um, it did have me thinking that this guy is a Jedi Master, and he didn't think to bring a hair tie with him. So, he's just got <laughs> hair hanging half the side of his face. But, you know, maybe we can just 
see through it with the force. Who knows? Anime. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just yeah. kept on wanting to like bat it out of his face. <laughs> uh, I. I don't know. I didn't really resonate. This one didn't really connect with me. It didn't resonate with me. Um, I did like how we got some Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan vibes from the master and his Padawan. I thought that was a, a little, uh, a nice little nod to, you know, a, a younger um, Obi-Wan. And, and I guess <sighs> that kind of brings me to a question. Did you did um how did you guys watch this did you watch this dubbed or subbed i watched it dubbed okay yeah um i initially watched it subbed and then my second watch through i watched uh i watched it dubbed um but yeah the way that uh i know that in the dubbed version we had david harbour um portraying the master and he was very very much like qui-gon in his delivery very uh very stoic i guess is the the adjective that i'm looking for um it it definitely felt very much like the the you know qui-gon uh to me did either of you get that vibe as well or am i way out in left field here no a little bit a little bit you know uh the their master and apprentice dynamic definitely uh reminded me a lot of obi-wan and qui-gon especially after having read the uh uh, the Master and Apprentice novel by Claudia Gray and getting more insight into the relationship between Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, uh, it get, it kind of provided a nice little backdrop for me to kind of make that comparison. Uh, and uh, and I, I, I really did like seeing, you know, a Master and Apprentice dynamic of any capacity in this show, you know, period. Because mm-hmm. uh, we hadn't gotten that yet leading up to it. And... Um, and it, it's something you don't really see a whole lot of in the Star Wars films either. So uh, it, it was a, it was nice. It was a, it was refreshing to see you know how a master and apprentice kind of uh, you know play, play off of each other. Sure, uh, Sean. Any any thing to add to the uh, the Qui Gon question? No. Yeah. I mean, I think it was. I would hope that would be kind of what they were going for. Is you know that. Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan vibe and I mean really the only other what Master and Padawan that we've ever really seen in movies or animation was Anakin and Ahsoka right. so you know it's yeah. kind of nice to see more of that relationship sure and of course Anakin and Ahsoka's dynamic was uh, vastly different from Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan so oh yeah <laughs> uh, I, I, I will, I'll never be able to for I'll never forget how much I kind of like like, like retreated into my chair the first time I heard them refer to each other as Snips and Sky Guy. <laughs> I, I was like, "Oh no, oh no!" <laughs> yeah, thankfully they dropped that uh, by the end of the first season, I believe. I think I don't think we got any references or any uh, Snips and Sky Guy uh, callouts in in future seasons. But yeah, yeah thankfully, yeah, that was <laughs> uh, early Clone Wars. It definitely. It existed. <laughs> yes, it did. Oh, yeah. Rescuing Jabba the Hutt's baby. Right, right. Yeah. Which, uh, I don't know. That's a weird, <laughs> that was a weird decision to use those, you know, those episodes uh, to to kind of launch the Clone Wars. But, hey, this isn't the Clone Wars show. Um, 
<laughs> valid Sean, points, how- though. Valid points. <laughs> Sean, how did this feel like Star Wars to you, aside from what we've already talked about? Ah, it just, you know, it gave you that traditional Star Wars feel. You got the Master, you got the Padawan. Just, you know, that whole dynamic is, you know, absolutely Star Wars. All right. Any Anything else to add, Cam? Um... Well, see, yeah, I, well, I, I suppose so. You know, the uh, the the uh, duel that occurred near the end of it, I thought was pretty well done. Uh, I was just a little iffy about hit about uh, the dark side users, I guess, lightsaber scimitars that he had. I thought that was a little, little uh, kind, of, kind of an interesting and odd design choice. It's not something I would have ever expected to have seen in Star Wars before. Yeah, it was it was a unique take, but that's I mean that's what this whole series has been so far is is very unique interpretations of yeah. uh, Star Wars. So, um yeah, I I I don't know. I just kind of write it off as uh that's how this particular studio and and writer director decided to approach it. Um yeah, it's it's how they it's how they viewed Star Wars and again, not going to fault anyone for, you know, how they want to interpret what they see on screen um, unless it's just way off the mark. Like we saw in the twins. That was, <laughs> oh, God, I, I don't know. I, I really didn't like that one. As if, if you can tell, um, we're going to move on to the, the uh, penultimate short here. Uh, Lop and Ocho. Uh, our, our official synopsis says a family is torn about what to do when the empire encroaches on their planet. Uh, I'm going to kick us off here. I, I, I'm going to say I really, I really enjoyed this short. I thought it conveyed a very important message uh, that family isn't always determined by birth, that it's that family can be found. It's a very common theme in Star Wars. I mean, uh, you know, before they were brought together, Luke, Han and Leia were three individuals in vastly different different trajectories in their own lives and they were they they were brought together by an extraordinary circumstances and you know by the end they were a family and i think uh that the that lapanocha really nailed that when um when the father uh well when the daughter convinced her father to um to take in lop uh right lop was which one was Lop? Was it the girl or? She was the bunny. Lop was the bunny. So they took, yeah, Ocho was the girl. Lop was the bunny, right? Kind of like hop. Yeah. Hop bunny, that... Lop the bunny. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I thought Ocho convincing her father to take in Lop as, and, and basically adopt her was a, a very, uh, very much a, a resonating theme within Star Wars. Um, any, uh, any thoughts, any overall impressions, Cam? Uh, I'm 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 definitely with you there. You know, uh, the, uh, the, the this episode was one that I enjoyed more than you know a lot of the other ones. I really loved the uh, the family dynamic, uh, the the way that the, that the family was torn apart. I felt seemed very uh, very very tragic. Um, I I do wish that uh, the daughter's reasoning for siding with the Empire was explored just a little bit more. But mm-hmm. uh, but you know I understand they had time constraints and all that stuff so I'm not I'm not going to fault it for that but the way, but the way that it all came together at the end 
it, if it, it, it felt very emotionally heavy. It felt very like it. It felt like the, the, there were real stakes there, and I, and I and I appreciated how uh, how intense they were able to make those last few moments. Sure, sure. It, this one, I mean, this did a lot in its runtime. I, I think it, it probably had the 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 best arc from start to finish i just i it there wasn't any moment in this episode that really didn't capture my attention that where i found myself looking away for any any length of time um i don't know i i think this might actually be my favorite of the of the nine um sean what were your overall impressions i would say out of all nine this was probably my my favorite animation style just like the overall look the coloring out of all of them, it just had that pop that I really, really liked. Yeah, the the, the colors were very saturated. It, it 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 really filled up the screen. Yeah, um, I love the saber katana because it's the closest thing that we've really seen to the dark saber in the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, go ahead. No, no, that that was. I was just going to say that was that's a really good callback or a call out to um, you know the katana style. I. I I was wondering why it took you know that long for us to see a lightsaber that looked more like a katana, um, just because of the katana's place in in Japanese culture. I thought, you know, I thought we'd see more of it, but eh, whatever. Um, Sean, any any further impressions? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take you down a rabbit hole here because this was my thought process while I'm watching it, and you know how my mind works, Jonathan. <laughs> so there's aliens on this planet that are bunny rabbits. So is Bugs Bunny a Star Wars character now? And can Looney Tunes just literally be this obscure planet with all these alien races and Elmer Fudd, who's like a really old Jedi? This, <laughs> this was the rabbit hole. And then I thought about that for a longer time than I really want to admit to. <laughs> Uh, be okay. very, very quiet. Yeah, we're hunting Jedi's. Exactly. <laughs> I, I'm just saying. Just think about it for a few minutes, and you'll all get there. Jeez. Um, I my brain hurts trying to process this, but I don't know. I don't know how to interpret that at all. So I'm just gonna deflect and say that. Um, <laughs> This is not the first time we've seen a a anthropomorphic rabbit in Star Wars. Um, I mean, granted, it's not considered canon anymore anymore, but uh, the the classic Marvel Star Wars comics, there was a character named Jackson, spelled with two X's, J A X X O N, who was the same race as as Lop, um, which I believe. Uh, Lepi, Lepi is the name of the race, I believe. Um, man, man, that's just digging into like the deepest recesses of my memories right there, because because I, I had not even thought of that character until you just mentioned him. Right, right. Uh, so, is this something you actually remember, or is this something that you just like happened to like look up and like read online or something? Because if okay. you actually remember that, that is brilliant. Okay, so story time here. Um, Honestly, the only reason why I know that of Lepi and Jackson uh, and there, there's 
there's two reasons. Uh, I mean, Sean, our friends uh, Richard and Sarah from Skywalking Through Neverland yeah. are obsessed with classic Marvel Star Wars comics. Yeah, I know they are. They and, love and them. They love Jackson. That's like one of their favorite characters. Um, okay. In, in all of Star Wars, and and so I, ha- I honestly have them to thank for you know, for introducing me to Jackson. And then of course, with my Marvel unlimited subscription, I've kind of uh, gone back and wa- and uh, read that arc a little bit. I've started it. I haven't finished it, but um, uh, wasn't there an action figure that just came out of him too lately? Like yep, think, it, it, yeah. it's, it's him wearing a, uh, uh, a rebel tie fighter pirate uh, uniform. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And then um, I don't know if either of you read the short story collection, the um, from a certain point of view for the Empire Strikes Back, um, but Jackson is in one of those short stories, and he has some um, dealings with Lando on Cloud City. So oh, know, he's, okay. been, he's been brought back into um, the modern Star Wars. I mean, he's not canon because much like Star Wars Visions here, uh, Jackson, you know, or rather the, um, the from a certain point of view, stories may or may not be canon. They, they're being very squirrely about that. So, who knows? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, again, I really liked this episode. I thought, you know, initially seeing the teaser and seeing, um, you know, our first glimpse of, of Lop in the episode, I wasn't sure I was going to like it as much as I did. Uh, I'm, I'm really pleased to say that I, I think this might either be my first or my second favorite episode uh, of the, of the nine. Um, I've already said how it felt like star Wars to me with the found family aspect. Cam, what do you, uh, how did it feel like star Wars to you? Uh, well, yeah, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm with you there. The, uh, the, the idea of the found family definitely, you know, has that, you know, star Wars feel to it. Uh, the, uh, the 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 empire being heavily involved uh you know and, and having those like uh you know slimy imperial officer type of characters i thought really helped it too and i i, I liked that um uh, ocho's imperial imperial uniform was very reminiscent of um uh, uh director krennic yes yes which i believe that white uh, uniform is supposed to indicate that they are intelligence division of the empire versus yeah being, the the ISB uh, yes correct very Thrawn even yeah, Thrawn oh, was, oh yeah absolutely yeah yeah I mean Thrawn had the had the white uniform but he was definitely the military side of the empire he was the naval side so um. I wonder if that was a choice or if that's something because the only other grand admiral that we've ever seen, well, we no, we've never seen a grand admiral admiral in anything other than um, in Thrawn, right? Have there, there haven't been, not that I know of. No. Yeah. Not that I know of either. Yeah. So may, I don't know if that's Thrawn's choice to wear white or if that's something that's granted to grand admirals. Um, I don't know. I am not that uh, versed in, um, in uh imperial uniforms and, and colors and what that all signifies but uh, as far as i'm concerned thrawn can do what he damn well pleases yeah pretty much <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i i no arguments there um sean how did the, uh, anything else to add about how this felt like star wars to you i mean that opening sequence with that you know kind of fly by the star destroyer i mean you can't get any more star wars than that 
I mean, it was just beautiful. Like that's the thing that kind of got me right off the get go. Yeah, that's very iconic. That's very Star Wars. I agree. Um, do you guys, uh, either of you, have any final thoughts on this one before we move to the final short? Uh, no, no, I don't think so. You know, I, I, I enjoyed the episode. I thought it was really well done. That's uh, that's about all there is to it. All right, sounds good. We'll move on to the final short. We are in the home stretch here, guys. Uh, the last short that we uh, that's part of the first season uh, of Visions or the only season we. We don't know yet. Uh, Akakiri, a Jedi, returns to his forbidden love to help defend her kingdom from a Sith-like Shogun. Sean, how did how did you uh, how did this episode resonate with you? How did it? Uh, what what were your overall impressions? Uh, animation wise, I think this was probably my least favorite. Just the style they went with. Um, okay. I did like the kind of a couple of the callbacks that I noticed I kind of snuck in was every time like they would look at the GPS, it would look like a star, uh, not the star. Um, not star destroyer. What am I? Death star. Crap. Um, mm-hmm. Did you notice that with like the little, the round and the rings on it? Can I, I did not. I will confess. I missed that detail. Um, yeah, yeah, I did too. Cool. Okay. Um, I love the little Gallimimus bird things that they rode around on the entire episode. I feel like that would be a perfect way of travel if you're in a strange and alien planet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, using beasts of burden and other various creatures is, is a very common thing in star Wars. I mean, you know, we had, uh, Obi-Wan on in episode three on, um, on his, I think it's called the Varactyl. The Varactyl, yes, yes, on Utapau. Um, you know, of course, we had the Kiradax in uh, Star Wars Clone Wars Season 7 that the Bad Batch rode on. Um, we have Dubax, we have Bantha. Yeah, the, the very common thing to see um, creatures being used as methods of transportation. So, yeah, you're right on the money there, Sean. Uh, Cam, what were your overall impressions? Uh, I'd say, I'd say that, uh, that, uh, as far as, you know, my favorites of the series, I'd say this is probably like my second to least, um, um, I, I watched the episode and I, and I tried to pay as close attention as I could to it, but I came out of the episode not having any idea of what the hell just happened. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Kind of also say, uh, yeah. Um, I, I I will say that that you know but uh, but by the end of it uh, I I'd say my highest praise of the episode is that by the end of it I, I loved the color palette that they used in the in the animation mm-hmm. uh, every, everything else le- leading up to it it felt very forced and very contrived and uh, like Sean said I wasn't big on the animation style it, it seemed very choppy and it and uh, um. You know, with with anime, a lot of the character designs are very over exaggerated to give that you know anime feel. But with this one, it felt like it, it it felt exactly the opposite. It almost felt like they weren't trying hard enough to make the people look like people. And uh, it's it, uh, I don't know. This one just didn't really do it for me. Yeah, I'm the same way. I this is one the one short that I've only seen one time and that was i was watching the subbed versions so i want to go back and watch it again um just i want to watch it dubbed and and you know really see if 
it, my impressions change uh, based on how I view it. Um, but yeah, I, I wasn't a huge fan. Like, I don't know. It just didn't connect with me. The one thing, the one and only thing I think that connected with me uh, as far as uh, overall the episode, I really, I guess, uh, and I'll kind of segue into how this felt Star Wars to me. Uh, the the relationship between uh, the two characters very much felt like uh, they were trying to tribu- uh, pay tribute to um, Obi Wan and Satine, uh, you know, in in the Mandalore uh, arcs of the Clone Wars, and and their um, the relationship that was implied to have happened between Obi Wan and Satine, how there you know there was definitely a romantic connection, and that obviously there was a history between these two characters and Akakiri as well. Um, but that's really the only connection that I really picked up on and, and enjoyed. Um, how did, how did this feel Star Wars to you, Cam? Uh, it didn't. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's okay. Uh, you know, it, it, it wasn't bad, it, but it just didn't, it just didn't hit the mark of what they were clearly going for. In my opinion. Um, you know, the, 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 the effort was there and, and I, I understand what they are trying to do, but the, but the execution just didn't work for me. It, it, it didn't feel like it belonged in any realm of the Star Wars universe. And, uh, the, the, it, uh, other than them incorporating, you know, the force in there and stuff like that, it just didn't feel like it belonged. Yeah. Uh... I, I don't know. I just, I didn't like this one. Um, I, I will watch it one more time. I'll watch it dubbed and that will probably be the end of it as well. Much like the twins. Um, Sean, uh, any, any further thoughts on, or any um, observations on how this felt like star Wars to you or. Uh, I mean, like I'm kind of with it? you guys. Yeah. I just, it didn't take me there. I didn't really feel like star Wars. It didn't honestly really feel like anything. It was, I was so confused through the entire episode. I I think probably the only thing, you know, that I really kind of laughed at was the King's sister at the end. I totally thought it was going to be a dude, but it was more (laughs) like granny goodness from DC (laughs) was like, Hey, I, I got to go fight a guy. Shira, can I, can I borrow that outfit? And Shira was like, Oh yeah, sure. You can have this. And, <laughs> and that was the person at the end that made me snicker. But otherwise, meh. Oh, yeah. And you know, as, a, as he was, you know, uh, well, walking up the stairs into the temple or, or whatever it was, you know, at, uh, whenever he stopped, you know, I thought uh, at first I thought he, I thought he was, he was going to look back at, you know, his lover and, you know, say something to her. But then I thought about it for a second. I was like, he's going to put his hood up because he just turned to the dark side and nothing says dark side, like putting your hood up when you don't have to. And and sure enough, he put his hood up. I was like, aha, he did it. Uh, there you go. That's, um, I don't know how to follow that, follow that one up. So <laughs> well, it was just weird that like, this was, you know, their last episode. You know, usually you go out with a bang, you know, and this was kind of like you went out with like a toot. It was like, <laughs> it was like, I was like, well, this was something I just watched. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I like I said, I'll watch it one more time. Hopefully I'll get a better uh, takeaway from it. But 
Aside if you do, that, let yeah. me know. <laughs> uh, I'm not confident, but hey, yeah. that's <laughs> not really. all right. So yeah, there you go. That's kind of how us three kind of felt about the various uh, the nine shorts in Star Wars Visions. Uh, if you agree or disagree with our takes on it, please engage us on social media. Uh, we can be found on Twitter on facebook and uh on instagram as well check the links in uh the show notes to find us in all of those social media locations cam why don't you let us know where you can be reached uh well i uh you can reach me at uh, at the geek news now facebook page uh you can re- you can reach me on the geek news now youtube page uh, no, we are up to, uh, I, well, j- just over 1600 subscribers and we're, and we're continuing to grow. Uh, I'm, uh, I put out videos, uh, I, I'm, I'm normally more, pretty good about putting out videos four times a month, but, uh, uh, I, I have a new one coming out next week. Uh, so if you, if you're subscribed, you know, be sure to look out for that. Um, and, and yeah, you, you can find geek news now on Twitch, Twitter, uh, we have a TikTok now, which is uh, well, which I believe is going really well too. So yeah, Geek News Now is everywhere. All you got to do is look for us. All right, uh, I can be reached pretty much on any social network personally at Just a Disney Geek, whether that's TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. I can be found there. Sean, what about you? All right, you can find me on the Book of Many Faces under Sean Brian McGuire. And also on Instagram as sccrfitch82. All right. Sounds good. Gentlemen, thank you very much for joining me for this roundtable discussion on Star Wars Visions. Uh, I, I hope we can get together again in the future and talk something else. I think there's a lot of potential. Um, I really enjoyed our conversation. So on that note, we're going to close everything out. And uh, again, thanks for listening. Have a great night. All right. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Y'all guys. Y'all have a good one.